Well, what's up, folks? It is episode 60, and tonight we will have Aaron Wilson covering the NFL, also the Houston Texans, so he will be joining us here momentarily. It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep the days of the week on track, as always, almost a weekend for a lot of folks. For some of us, we get to start the weekend tonight, so Fuji and I will be enjoying the weekend early before everyone else, but it's okay because we hope that everyone has a great upcoming weekend, and hopefully we're traveling abroad or doing whatever you're doing to make your summer fun. Let's just hope that everyone, for one, enjoys Juneteenth if you're celebrating it, Father's Day as well, and for my own personal dad, happy birthday to him as it's coming up on Tuesday. So lots to get to tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun and maybe not so much fun afterwards because the Sixers, for some people, really, really tanked it last night. So not too smooth or move last night by the Sixers, but we'll get into it a little bit later on. Right now, we're going to get the show underway. We're planning on having a lot of fun tonight, and thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. I'm Angel. This is Broad Street South. Fuji is super excited to get things going, so we won't make Vito wait any longer. So tonight, as we always do, here is Vito Corleone. Almost. It's almost. It's going to happen. I'm telling you that it's going to happen because it almost happened. Vito, what's going on? The skies fell in Philadelphia the last two games. The series should have been put away last night. It's a disgrace. It's a flat-out joke. I don't know what the hell is going on down there with Doc Rivers and company, but somebody better wake the hell up tomorrow night because this team is on the brink of elimination, 40 days away from training camp. Let's get the show rocking tonight. Let's talk Sixers, some NFL. Let's do it. And I don't know what the hell is going on in this town. I, I don't know either, but I can give this one to Doc, though, because oh, – oh, wrong one here. Well, here to deep center field. This ball's out of here. And that one actually I'll give to the Sixers as well because they're out of here as well, just like uh, some folks that we know. But, oh, well, it's just the way it works. But, anyways – it's going to be a good night tonight. I can see both our beat writer and our national correspondent waiting, so we'll keep on waiting any longer. Here is our young Nick Lisi, also known as... Doing great, gentlemen. It's great to be here, having a good time. Going to talk uh, with Aaron Wilson tonight. Cover the covering the Houston Texans should be a good one, and uh, I need Ryan Neff's pick on the on the uh, on the playoff game tonight because I'm rooting for the Nets, obviously. Well, mm. it, it's <laughs> it should be. I, I believe the Nets should probably end up pulling off the win tonight, but we'll see. I mean, barring any injuries, anything else that's going on, but it seems like there's somewhat of a healthy squad for tonight. We'll see if anyone gets stretched, but. We won't also make our national correspondent. And I just took a, a quick glimpse in the green room, and he's already got me giggling. So here's our national correspondent, Ryan Neff. And it's silent profiling Ryan Neff. <laughs> What's going on, Ryan? Got to keep up with the duck man. I mean, he's going to wear his. I'm going to wear my. Aha. Uh -huh. I told you, Sixer fans. I told you. I told you, nobody believed me. Nobody wanted to believe me. But we'll save that for maybe a little bit later. 
we have to get into some NFL football talk, especially the Texans with Mr. Aaron Wilson tonight. So let's get the show rolling. Yes, sir. And I do see a couple of comments coming in. But more importantly, first thing is first, better than the last verse, however that crazy saying is said. But I will say, if anyone out there is feeling either a pond, maybe some water, I don't know, somewhere nearby, you can always go down to Gooses. Cigargoose.com. Gooses, Monte Cristo, Tobacconist Lounge. Listen, those guys put on a heck of a beautiful outfit out there where you can get your vapes, you can get your cigars, your Monte Cristos. What was that other one? There was a, a gentleman last week, he mentioned one of the cigars. Something, oh man, I wish I could remember what it was. Because you even said I said it correctly. But hey, by the way, if you guys go to cigargoose.com, please, by all means, check it out. They have some great cigar selection. They have an outstanding cast of people that can help you out in the shop. They know exactly what they're talking about because they wouldn't sell your product that they know absolutely nothing about. And by the way, full disclosure, you must be over 21. So don't try to be slick and go in there and say, hey, uh, look at this. I'm 21. It doesn't work that way, okay? So please be over 21 years old. And again, yeah, exactly. Like our young deep writer here. But again, cigargoose.com. You guys can also visit a store in Limerick, Pennsylvania. So by all means, check it out. Uh, cigar. Oh, and by the way, on Facebook, Goose's Monte Cristo. Check them out on Facebook as well. And for everyone watching tonight from Goose's page, hello and welcome. Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, you name it. We're happy to see everyone tonight. And you can also view the show on BrassFreeSouth.com live. And as again, I see many, many uh, comments coming in here. But first things first, as we want to make sure that we give the man of the hour that we're bringing on here, Aaron Wilson. If you guys want to follow Aaron Wilson Please do so at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. And then you guys can also follow him as much as we follow him. So you can get caught up on everything, the latest and the greatest when it comes to the NFL. And Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Aaron. Thank you, thank you Aaron. Love the orange. So, yeah, so, Aaron, just to let you know, our beat writer there that has the, the orange as well. So he is a Clemson University sophomore coming up this year. So that's why he's saying that he loves the orange because it represents Clemson. So that's, uh, that's his deal. But uh, I want to get into, into a little bit of, of the Seattle talk before I get into the comments here, Aaron. And, and I know there was yesterday, it came out with Russell Wilson. He talked about um, with the head coach there with Pete. And he, was, he stated that whatever happened during the offseason wasn't what – I guess everyone thought it was it was supposed to be. It, it, it was escalated. It was blown out of proportion. All the good fun stuff that the only thing he cared for was to make sure that I guess they put the right team together. Now, whether it's true or not, whether all that drama was for real, whether he wanted to be traded is yet to be seen. But from what was gathered was he saw what Tom Brady did with the Bucks down there last year to become the Super Bowl champions. And I guess he wanted kind of the same take as Tom Brady. So I don't know if you ever got a different story from there, but was Russell Wilson being genuine yesterday in his presser when he talked about that, you know, things were just blown out of proportion out there in Seattle? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think he is spinning the situation a little bit because his agent spoke on the record, if you recall, to ESPN mentioning teams that he would be open to being traded to. Now he didn't re formally request a trade, but he came as close to the edge as you could. And obviously, why did he do all that? Because he wanted some say, he wanted some juice, he wanted to have his voice be heard, he wanted some respect. And there's always an element of that when it comes to the franchise quarterbacks, because they want to be treated more like a partner. That was one of the reasons that 
Tom Brady eventually left the New England Patriots despite his close friendship with Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. He wanted some freedom, and I think he handled it with a lot of class. He never really ever complained. And, yeah, to me with Russell Wilson, I just look at the situation, and I think you could have spoke up at any time to clear up any narratives that were – you know, any misperceptions or anything. So, yeah, I, I look at this as just kind of, you know, him being revisionist history after the fact. And I'm not ripping him, but, I, you know, let's be honest here. This public relations situation that festered, it doesn't exist without Russell Wilson and some of the things with the GQ article. And I think some of it, too, is a lot of these guys want attention. And if you're not getting enough attention, you figure out a way to create that kind of attention. So that's yeah, with Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson. I think he's a great guy, great player. But, you know, let's be honest here. He didn't create this situation without knowing, you know, where it might go. And it's definitely not the Seahawks' fault in terms of the public relations fallout from it. And for the media, how else could they interpret it? I don't think that anyone did any wild speculating or – no, and obviously, if, if they needed to correct anything along the way, he could have spoke up at any time, and he didn't. Right. No, he could have, and, and that's ex exactly true. And I don't understand why it had to take so long. And I understand. I know the OTA is coming around. I know. I also know camp is coming around as well. So, kind of odd for him to, to, I guess, say it when he did yesterday. And I get it. I, I know you want to spin things around. I know you want to make it seem like everything just hunky go dory out there in Seattle. But and we'll see. I mean, obviously the, the season will tell if he was genuine or not of, of what he's stating. And if I don't know if Seattle starts out zero three, you know, will all those rumors come swirling back around again? Who knows? But I, I just found it kind of funny the timing and how they they end up coming out with the story yesterday was, was just a little bit of weirdness when it comes to me. And then. Kind of flipping from Seattle over to KC, because I know the guys are going to have some huge questions. And, Bill, I do see your questions. I'll get to them here uh, momentarily. But going back to KC for a second, you have Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid, who unfortunately had the uh, DUI charge he's pleaded not guilty to. And there's been no more word as far as like what the team plans on doing with Britt. I, he may be off. I'm not too sure. One story said that he was no longer part of, the, uh, of Kansas City management. And one story was that he's still there, but he's on suspension until the story's cleared up. Have you heard anything else when it comes to Britt Reed and Kansas City? The former is the accurate one, that he's no longer a part of the organization. He had an expiring contract, and they chose not to renew it. Other mm -hmm. coaches were renewed, including Eric Bieniemy, and he was not one of the coaches that was renewed. Why wasn't he renewed? Well, obviously, because he hurt a little girl while – allegedly driving impaired. Uh, you know, he has not been convicted of that. So that's an important distinction. That said, obviously, you know, you know something extremely serious happened. Um, my understanding from reading the Facebook post from the family, you know, the little girl has brain damage. And my, my understanding is that the chiefs are going to do the right thing by the family, but you know, there's also a legal process to respect. And right. yeah, for Brett Reed, and from a family, you know, that's had some issues and Britt Reed's issues in the past, have, you know, they've been well documented. Those are, you know, part of what you have to factor into this situation. But right now, yeah, football and him being part of the staff, absolutely not. Yeah, he, you know, that's a privilege. That's not something that just because you're the son of Andy Reed that you're entitled to. And it's absolutely appropriate. The Chiefs have done the right thing. Now, they don't have to bright light it per se, 
for the benefit of the fans or the media or the family. But yeah, it's my understanding. Yeah, that Britt Reed, he is absolutely not suspended and like pending something to come back. No, um, you know, Britt Reed, this is a major case, and the legal stuff takes first precedent for everyone in this situation. Yeah, so I don't think Britt Reed should be coaching football right now, in my opinion, and he's not. Aaron, Aaron, what's your take of uh, David Colley being hired by the Texans? What's the impression by the Houston fan base? Uh, They are fairly nonplus because David is not a known commodity. They don't know David. And one of the reasons that I think David will be successful is because of the input I received from guys I've known for 20 years, guys I respect a lot, Ozzie Newsome and – John Harbaugh, and they vouched for him to me. And they took the time when I was writing a big story on David to give me a call and talk about David. And this was even prior to him being hired. I was texting a lot with John Harbaugh, getting a lot of good feedback about what David's all about. And, you know, he's dealt with some difficult situations before. He coached Terrell Owens. You remember how T.O. was with the Eagles and he was able to rein him in. I had a lot of feedback about how he would handle situations like that, difficult ones. But I was also told he's no pushover. He's a demanding coach, but he coaches the guys hard, but he also he cares about the guys and he'll get the buy in from them. And what I'm hearing from players is they like Coach Cully and they want to play hard for him and they want to prove that they're not going to be, you know, a team that, Right now, Vegas thinks that they should lose every football game. And we'll see. That's why they play the games on paper. We're going to see what kind of team they put together. Nick Casero is the architect of it. And you're a very traditional GM as boss, coach, you know, coaching the players, not, you know, super involved in personnel. Uh, But, you know, they try to get him players that fit his system. And what they're trying to do right now is instill a culture and have guys that are competitive, that are hungry, that are happy, that want to be here. And that's why a lot of guys are under one-year contracts and they have something to prove. But, yeah, the Texans, obviously, without Deshaun Watson, a part of the equation, they've taken a major step back. But I think it's worth noting they were 4-12 and with Deshaun Watson leading the entire NFL in passing yards. So, you know, who's to say that the team might not be at a similar level of victories without Deshaun? I, I tend to think that – you know, it's a team that probably wins somewhere between four and seven games. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not forecasting in a 1-16 season. We'll see. You know, I haven't even seen anything other than organized team activities where they are very far from full speed. And, obviously, you can't tell anything from what they're doing. I mean, it is – if you draw big conclusions from OTAs and mini camps in today's era where they don't even thud, I think you're just, you know, being disingenuous if you're a media member. What I can tell from them is – you know, they seemed into it and they were in shape and they were moving around and I could tell who was playing with what unit. And I watched Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills throw and Jeff Driscoll. And I, I liked what I saw from you know, Tyrod and especially Davis with his uh, arm strength and release and those sorts of things. But there's no blitz. There's no pressure. There's no hitting. So, yeah, I take it all with a grain of salt. But, yeah, David, David's someone that also he was very flexible about the coaching staff and they, because he hadn't been a head coach before, this is the same thing with John Howard by the Ravens. They helped him put together his coaching staff. So there was a lot of input from the Jack Easterbys, from 
Nick Casario and putting together this staff and they're getting Lovey Smith. They hired Lovey Smith as assistant head coach and defense coordinator the same day that they agreed to terms with David Culley. They interviewed on the exact same day. And they also got Frank Ross, their special teams coordinator that day. And then very quickly they retained Tim Kelly as offensive coordinator. So they put it together fast. But you say Deshaun Watson has played his last game as a Houston Texan? Yes, he's not going to play for the Texans again. Aaron, oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's just going to real quick here, uh, Nick, but that's where uh, Bill was going to ask. He said, glad to be, uh, hi, Aaron, glad to be part of the session with you. Are Houston strong with trading trading Watson, or do you see him playing for the seasons for the Texans? And you just pretty much answered that question for Bill, so – Oh boy. I can expand on that if he likes. I mean, sure. the thing is, there are some variables here because it's a unresolved legal matter and it's pretty unprecedented to have 22 civil lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct. So when you have that kind of legal imbroglio and it, you, know, you don't have anything close to a settlement, they've you know, been far apart for some time on that. They're not in an active settlement talk right now even. Until you resolve that, the other teams aren't going to offer you stuff in a trade because you really don't know the punishment level and you don't know, is he going to be in the exempt list this year, which is not technically punishment. You, it's like paid leave. And that's determined by NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. So let's say he's on paid leave this year. And then the cases aren't resolved until 2022. Well, then he's not going to whatever discipline he might face. And, you know, is that going to be four games, six games, eight games, less? We don't know. So if you're the other teams, if you're, say, Philadelphia, if you're Denver, you're Miami, or someone else, like the Washington football team, maybe, then how do you know? So if you're going to give someone a bunch of first-round draft picks, which is what the Texans will ask for, and you don't know, is this player even available to me in 2021, or is it 2022, and part of 2022, how can you really make a fair trade offer with that unknown factor right, and right. obviously you know football is very important that's why we're having this discussion this conversation but there's some very important issues at play here this is a very serious case very serious allegation so all that has to go first and you can't put the cart before the horse which is the trade discussions and speculation about punishment i mean we can have that conversation but I don't know what they're going to do, and no one does. And Rusty Harden doesn't know, and Nick Casario doesn't know. And Roger Goodell and Lisa Frow, they probably don't know. They probably have some kind of indication of how they might. But keep in mind, once they reach a settlement, it's not going to be snap your fingers and they have a punishment. They're going to want to get the documents if possible, unless they're sealed. And then, you know, they're going to want to try to interview the plaintiffs. They're going to want to talk to Watson and his lawyer and his agent possibly, and they're going to expect cooperation. If you don't cooperate with them, what tends to happen? You get harsher punishment. Mm-hmm. And so for me to prejudge what Lisa Frau might recommend, she's the woman that's heading the investigation, which is parallel to a Houston Police Department investigation and the civil litigation, and he has no charges at this time. He's denied all wrongdoing. I just think you, know, you can't get ahead of yourself in this sort of situation. No, Dougie has a question here, and I'll, I'll bring up, uh, and I'll remember exactly what I was going to ask you here, but uh, Bill kind of follows up with, we have been told by the Eagles media that they're interested. How serious is it? That who's interested? Uh, the Eagles. They're interested. Yeah. And keep in mind, Jeffrey Lurie was the owner 
of the Eagles when they brought in Michael Vick. Not comparing right. situations, not comparing dog fighting, not comparing sexual assault and sexual misconduct allegations. I'm just saying that they did handle a very serious public relations situation there where he was in Leavenworth and he was in prison. Deshaun Watson, different. This is a civil realm. This is not a criminal matter, but it's no less high profile. It's no less, you know, they're both negative situations. I don't want to get into grading what's what's worse or anything like that. Uh, you know, I don't want anyone to uh, misunderstand me at all. But my point is that the Eagles and they're in the NFC and Jalen Hurts is not established yet. And actually, I just saw Jalen uh, the other day, caught up a little bit briefly at uh, the TriStar Productions card show uh, here in Houston at the NRG Arena. And it was good to see him and catch up a little bit. We had talked last before the Eagles drafted him in the second round. I think he's a talented guy, and I think they can win football games with him. But Deshaun Watson and Jalen Hurts, two different type of players. Deshaun Watson, very established, Pro Bowl quarterback, one of the most dynamic players in the game. And the Eagles do have the draft capital. They do have an aggressive general manager in Howie Roseman that is known for working trades. And I could see him in a Casero doing some business at some point. I'm not reporting saying that it will definitely happen. I'm just saying they're among the teams that are interested and how he will do his due diligence. But my, my thing is here, and I know last week when you were on Sean Salisbury show on uh, Sports Talk 790, and I know you'll be back there again tomorrow uh, on the show with him, but I, I was hearing the callers last week, and I know they were saying that, you know, kind of like on both sides here that, Deshaun could make his calls. Deshaun could not make his own calls. Like Deshaun basically has no room whatsoever to demand anything from the Texas organization or anything for himself at, at, at this point. To me, it's also one of those things that I, I don't know if that's kind of like the norm in college on what he's being alleged on. If that stuff happens at, at you know, whether you get a massage, you're going to par, whatever it is. And, and I guess no one knows that. I personally wouldn't know. Um, my thing is that, that I don't know if Jeffrey Lurie and the Eagles organization, again, depending on the outcome of everything that's going on here, with Michael Vick, it was a whole complete different story. Michael Vick turned his life around, and Michael Vick's been nothing but successful since all that happened. And most of that was because of his brother. But you're talking about Deshaun Watson coming into an organization that's trying to get away from all that stuff. When we had a deal with Riley Cooper just, you know, four or five years ago with his nonsense. So I don't understand why in the world I, I understand from a play factor, but if I'm an organization and I know what's, what's on the table right now, I don't think I would personally as an owner want to take that on because then it's almost, you know, if you're looking at both sides, do then the women look at the Eagles like, okay, so it's okay what he did. And we're supposed to root and cheer for this guy and, you know, win us another Super Bowl, or do we just kind of let it go and we'll just worry about Deshaun the player and then his legal matters afterwards? Right. Great points. I mean, I can't speak to, you know, what Howie Roseman or Jeffrey Lurie, how they may look at this situation, because, you know, as you, you know, so clearly pointed out and sorry said, this is a negative situation. That said, he hasn't been convicted of anything, and there's been no, you know, video proof or audio proof or admissions or anything where you could say there's a smoking gun. You know, he definitely did it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it looks very bad. Yes, he's facing 22 allegations, and he has admitted, at least his attorney admitted on his behalf, to consensual relations with some of the women. But you know, I won't pretend to be a lawyer on this podcast. Uh, you know, I'm a 
NFL journalist. I can't speak for why would the Eagles do it? You know, you said it, you know, because of him being a great football player. Right. But who's to say that he wouldn't, you know, avoid something like this in the future? You would think that that would, that would logic would tell me whatever happened here. And I don't know because and no one knows. No one was in there in the, you know, in those rooms other than Deshaun Watson and the plaintiffs. That said, if you're the Eagles, you have to get information about it and decide, is, you know, is this something that you want to entertain? Do you want to get involved in it? And I don't have an opinion other than, you know, why would they want to? Obviously, he's a great football player. And if you think that, you know, whatever he did to face these allegations, and again, allegations, important word, then if you're the Eagles, you have to come to some sort of understanding about, you know, his behavior, what steps he might take, you know, is there going to be, you know, I'm just, I'm not speculating here. I'm just saying, you know, would they perhaps want counseling? Would they perhaps want to have some kind of assurances? Would they perhaps want to, you know, do something with his contract in terms of, you know, is he available? All those sorts of things. What do they expect from him? What kind of rapport can they build with him? And remember, he has a no trade clause. Right. So he can decide if he wants to be traded to any team, the Eagles, Denver, Miami, and then Miami would obviously be a really attractive destination for him. And, you know, that's not any secret. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would just say for everyone, you know, we're having a you know, very uh, intelligent conversation about this. No one, we're not at that point yet. And we can talk about this, you know, all day long, but until – Rusty Harden, his lawyer, and Tony Busby, the plaintiff's lawyer, work something out. Then all we're doing is, you know, kind of basically just, you know, speculating about what might happen later. And we don't know. We've got to see what happens. Right. Aaron, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Deshaun. I don't want to talk about the his legal situation, but was there a specific moment or turning point that you saw from Deshaun? that made him want to file a trade request? Was it just the whole season in general? Was it something before the season? Was it the DeAndre Hopkins getting traded? Do you know like what the specific moment was that tipped Deshaun Watson over and asked for that trade? There's not one moment. As I've reported before, uh, he became disillusioned with the organization uh, with the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the lack of communication. He found out on social media about the trade. So he felt like he should have been told about something that important. And he also obviously did not agree with the trade or, you know, what they got back in the trade, all those sort of things, because you're trading an all pro wide receiver. You're not getting a ton back. They had, we could have a whole other discussion about that trade, but so that got to him to a point where the contract negotiation, that wasn't as smooth as everyone thought they were, you know, at one point, you know, he was wondering, you know, should I sign? Am I going to do this? But it was so much money, it would have been really ridiculous to turn it down. And then they have this terrible season. They fire Bill O'Brien. He liked Bill O'Brien. So when they fire Bill, and then he was led to believe by the Texans owner, Cal McNair, that he was going to have input into the hiring process. And I believe they had some misunderstanding over, does that involve the general manager or the coach? And... Obviously, their communication was poor. 
and the owner did privately apologize to Deshaun, and Deshaun was disgruntled in his final press conference. Before all of that happened, uh, he didn't sound very enthusiastic about the organization. So, you know, it's a cumulative thing is what I've been told by my sources multiple times. It's not one event, it's right. several. And the Nick Casario thing, not having any input into it, and then finding out again on social media about an important you know, franchise-altering decision that they'd made that hire without him having any you know, say. He wasn't ever asking to pick the general manager or pick the coach, but he wanted to be involved. I think he wanted to be on Zooms and that sort of thing or have a phone conversation or something, but that didn't happen. And that doesn't usually happen for players anyway, but he wanted that. It didn't happen And Cal McNair, and then he wouldn't talk to Cal for a while, and that's the fallout. But by that time, it's over. And, yes, yeah, I've been told more than once, he has told friends, I will never play another down for the Houston Texans. And he's, the words that were described to me were that he is very intentional about that, meaning very serious. Aaron, pushing the whole Deshaun Watson thing to the side for a second, I want to try and pick your brain about, because you have obviously the pulse in Houston on what's going on 24-7. <laughs> How can I put this politely? Is the Texan situation heading down the road of what the situations are in Jacksonville and the New York Jets right now? I see them struggling for the next three, four years, being mired at the bottom of not only the division, but the conference for years to come. I mean, is is the whole Deshaun Watson thing, again, trying to push it to the side, is this just going to keep going downhill? I don't feel that way. And I'll tell you why. When you lose your franchise quarterback, and this is unprecedented to – you know, have a guy in the prime of his career after you've paid him. This is not a financial issue. It's a lack of faith issue from him and the organization. I think Nick Casario's a good general manager. And I think that if you look at some of the areas, he didn't have a lot of cap space. He created cap space with restructures for Larry Tunsil and Brandon Cooks and Zach Cunningham and Whitney Merciless and Shaq Lawson did a lot of, you know, work to get to this point where they had some cap room. He's improved the linebacker core, not dramatically, but he's, it's better than what it was last year where it was pretty bad. He's mildly improved the cornerback position. He's added a few pieces on the defensive line to try to make up for the colossal loss of J.J. Watt. I think they're better at guard and center than they were last year, and they've added some depth of running back that they didn't have. They took a step back at receiver by losing Will Fuller. They took a large step back at the quarterback position with Tyrod Taylor replacing Deshaun Watson. All that's beyond Nick's control as far as the Deshaun Watson situation. There's no real way. When he got here, it was already untenable. They couldn't, he couldn't fix that. But I think he's for real. I think he's a legit general manager that can evaluate. And if you can, you know, if you're Nick, engineer a good trade. If you look at Deshaun as a depressed stock that's right now Stock's not as high because he's not, you know, he doesn't have the legal stuff resolved. But if you get at least two first-round picks or you get three first-round picks or a couple of twos for him, if you get fair market value for a player of his caliber and you draft well, who's to say that you can't fix the situation with cap room, with more aggressive spending, and some good drafting? 
And, you know, we don't know yet. You know, is Davis Mills for real? Is Nico Collins going to be a real player at wide receiver? I mean, a lot of these are unresolved things, I would say. But why do they have to be bad? Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna have a tough time this year. But why do they have to be bad in 2022, 2023? You know, that's called fixing your roster. You rebuild. And that's what they're doing right now. I mean, they would, they would call it building, I think, because that, that, that would be their preferred uh, way of having it described. But everyone else would say rebuilding. And that's where they're at right now. But you have to rebuild – you know, before you can get to, you know, any kind of construction project here. Mm -hmm. And I like Nick's work ethic and his attention to details, negotiating skills. And I think he's a good evaluator. And we're going to find out. I mean, he was a big part of the Patriots and six Super Bowl victories. It wasn't just Bill Belichick. This was their right-hand man. And if you listen to Bill Belichick, uh, I think he did an interview recently, they had to have so many guys – to just fill some of Nick's responsibilities. It, it took a, you know, like a team of guys, like four or five guys splitting all the things that Nick was doing. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, that's why I think they have a chance. They, and why I'm, if I was a fan, I'd have some, you know, small level of optimism that they eventually they work their way out of this. But yeah, right now, yeah, it's, it's bleak because you lost to Sean Watson. How could it not be bleak? And I think Tyrod Taylor is a solid quarterback. He's, you know, he is who he is. It's been years since he was in a Pro Bowl. He didn't play very well in Cleveland. He was probably going to give away to Justin Herbert, if not for the medical mishap where he got the pain-killing injection that punctured his lung, and he probably could have sued the Chargers and maybe gotten a small piece of the, uh, the Chargers. But I look at it all, and I think you just you have to you have to kind of be patient if you're a fan and you can't expect them just to snap their fingers. But this roster was in poor shape even when they were winning divisions. And remember, they got blown out by the Chiefs. So how close were they really to being a team? Yeah, I know they were up, but they were horrible in that game. They have no defense. And you saw it was an awful defense last year. And let me follow up with uh, just one more non-Texans related here. Um what do you hear around the league from players, coaches, about the addition of the 17th game? I, I've heard rumblings about the players don't really care for it. A lot of the coaches don't care for it. They are just now going to have to deal with it. What What have you heard in the last, I don't know, month, month and a half? Well, the players don't like it, and they wish that it wasn't, you know, part of the schedule. They don't, you know – care for the idea of playing that. I know that they don't have the four preseason games, but if you're a starter, you don't play four preseason games anyway. You don't play in the fourth and final game. Play spare. Now, what I think you're going to see is veterans, a lot of teams, especially the good teams, not play a ton of snaps in the preseason. I think that's going to be a reaction that a lot of people will have. And, yeah, you can't tell me that you're not going to have more injuries. Because every football game you have, you know, if you talk about probability and the law of averages, it's a 100% injury rate. So people will get hurt. You will have more injuries. You may have more serious injuries. We don't know. But I know the stats are going to be kept comparing 16 games versus 17 games. We'll see. Some of it's luck, you know, when you get hurt or don't get hurt. You fall the right way, you know, 
Are you, you know, hitting awkward place? What's the blocking like if you're an offensive player? If you're a defensive player, what can you do to protect yourself? I don't know. I just, I think it's a, it's a variable that we're going to see. But yeah, players don't like it. To answer your question. Now, I got one comment here. If I can go back to it, and and I know it's two different situations, but kind of a, a tricky question here. Thomas has a good point, but he says, "What's the difference between what he did?" and what Robert Kraft did. And as we know, Robert Kraft was, you know, I guess exonerated to use other words uh, for the Patriots. But what's the, and, and we know that Robert Kraft got into more detail as we, we heard about the investigation, all that stuff that went on down here in Miami. Um, and again, it, it's all speculation because none of us know exactly what ended up happening. But, and, and so many words. So what's, what's the bigger difference between Robert Kraft and what Deshaun Watson has done so far? I don't know if I really want to make any comparisons between the two cases. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I apologize. I'm, just, I'm not really interested in that question. Sure, no problem. Bougie? Aaron, there was a story that came out last week with uh, Sean Salisbury on Sports Talk 790 that the Texans just bagged them mandatory minicamp. Do you know why that happened? Well, yeah, that was me reporting that on – the Sean Salisbury show. So yeah, mm -hmm. I do know why they did not have the minicamp. I'd be happy to explain that for you. The players and David Cully reached an agreement where initially the players were going to vote in solidarity with the NFL Players Association to not attend the voluntary workouts. And then they were going to just show up for the minicamp. So if you could have players, if you're the Texans for one month of OTAs, which are the same thing as the minicamp. Absolutely, at the end, the OTAs like the minicamp. Right. The last week that they had of OTAs was the equivalent of their minicamp. You just don't make it mandatory. And you have to treat these guys like men. Part of having a new regime is getting the buy-in from the players. And so you have to have great communication with them, with team leaders like Laramie Tunsil, like Brandon Cooks, like Tyrod Taylor. And the guys met their obligations they don't have to show up. It's voluntary. But a lot of guys are so new to the team and they wanted to be there. So the way it was left at one point was guys were not going to show up and they just weren't going to ostracize, obviously, anybody that chose to show up that maybe had thought that was in their best interest or maybe they had a workout bonus or things like that. By doing it this way, you get the guys for four weeks in a row, not every single player, but a lot of the players. You had high attendance versus getting those guys, a lot of them, for none of it, and then they show up for two and a half days and you're going to do your install. So what's better? Obviously, a month. And they were able to get that. And that shows the Nick Casario and David Cully that they had good communication with the guys. That's all that was. Right. It didn't have anything to do with Deshaun Watson. Do you think, I mean, doesn't that put like a bad taste in the rookie's mouth? I mean, if – you know, you're Tyrod Taylor, first-year quarterback, coming in, and these guys just don't bother coming in. Just bad culture for the locker room, wouldn't you say? Veterans, especially the starting quarterback, mm -hmm. get to do things differently than rookies. The right. rookies are just happy to be there. Whether you're Davis Mills, the top draft pick, or you're their last pick, Roy Lopez, you need to be there. You want to get the playbook. I was on the NFL PA call where 
some of these agents were very fired up and they said, you think I'm going to spend all this money on training and then advise my rookie not to show up? If you're a rookie and you just got drafted, you need to be there. You got to be there. I don't care if you're the first pick of the draft. Trevor Lawrence is at everything they do. Why would he want to miss? Exactly. There so he can get better. If you're a rookie, you haven't proven anything yet. But if you're Tyrod Taylor and you're on all the Zooms, but you don't go to every OTA practice, but you get there and you do the last couple weeks and you look good throwing the football and you look like a leader out there, then it's okay. I just I was around for all this and I knew about the behind the scenes things that were going on. I knew he was going to cancel and I knew it for about 10 different people. And they voted on this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So that while sometimes things come out that are surprising to fans or media, but sometimes things go on behind the scenes that the fans and the media don't know about. In this case, yeah, I, I knew about it, and I don't think it was a big deal. I look at it that it says, regardless of whether the team is going to be good or not, at least there's respect, mutual respect between the administration, the coaches, and the players. And I talk to players. And they're not unhappy. You know, like anybody, they don't know uh, what the team's going to be like, but they like the situation. They like the way they're being treated. They feel like they're being treated like grown men, and they don't have a problem with it. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't mean the team's going to be good or worse because of the two and a half days missed. I tend to think that two and a half days is not a big deal as opposed to guys being there five days a week for four weeks in a row. Aaron, um, I, w- I want to talk about your time with the Ravens. You you started in July 2012, and they win Super Bowl that year. What what was it like uh, covering like a Super Bowl winning team? Like, was it any different from covering a, a team that didn't win a Super Bowl? Uh, it's different. Yeah, I've covered the Ravens for 15 years. I started there in 2001. It was the year after they won their first Super first Bowl one. in 2000, and that's when Ray Lewis was the Super Bowl MVP. And then I covered them when they won the Super Bowl and Joe Flacco was the Super Bowl MVP and had a great, basically a perfect run in the playoffs as they beat teams like New England and then beat the 49ers. And, yeah, they were a team that there were some really key moments. They replaced Cam Cameron as the offensive coordinator and they had Jim Caldwell call the plays. And that was really a watershed moment for that team. But it was a team with older veterans. It was Ray Lewis's final NFL game. He retired. He went out on top with a Super Bowl win. And he was, you know, obviously not in his prime years at that point. He was at the end. But they managed to win it. And they were a good team to cover. It was a good locker room. It was a very positive atmosphere. John Harbaugh is a very good coach to cover as far as communication with the media and, you know, allowing you to have enough information and quotes to do your job. Yeah, I would say it was a, it was a really enjoyable experience. It's one that I, Thoroughly enjoyed. I also covered a Super Bowl team, a team that didn't win it, the Tennessee Titans, and they lost to the then St. Louis Rams um, when Kevin Dyson got tackled a yard short of the goal line, and that was a yeah. great football game. And it was also a, you know, a good experience covering that team with Jeff Fisher and great pros like Bruce Matthews and Steve McNair. And I covered Steve when he played for Baltimore, and they came up short. But yeah, I would say in my experiences with Baltimore have been really outstanding where I still you know, I made friends and I have you know, people that I still talk to, the Eric DaCostas or the Joe Douglases or you know a whole bunch of guys, whether they're media or players or coaches and scouts. And everybody's done 
very well. Everybody's you know still working in the league, you know, with the exception of some guys I cover like like Ray Rice, and that's that's a whole different another different altogether situation. But yeah, I I enjoyed it, uh, and I would say that anybody that gets a chance to cover a Super Bowl winner, you know, it's uh, something that you never forget. It was a uh, you know it's history. No, that's very true. And Bill, he has a question here. He says, "Do you feel? Do you have a feel on how the division feels with Indy getting Wentz? Is on the Indy? Is the end Indy, or do you feel Tennessee is still the team to beat? So I guess he's he's asking whether Indy will win the division and/or uh, Tennessee. You know, I look at it. I think Tennessee's a little bit better, especially after having Julio Jones in his addition. I think that." I'm worried about Carson Wentz mm -hmm. and you, know, you guys know why, you know, how, I know that Frank Reich has a chance to, you know, revive Carson and hopefully uh, run some plays that Carson likes. And, you know, if Carson's healthy and confident and, you know, back on his mechanics and not throwing off his back foot and some of the things that, you know, he really backslid on, you know, in his final you know, years with the Eagles, then maybe they'll be good. Uh, they've got a great offensive line. They've got, you know, some good running backs and Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack. And, you know, there are some good defense players like Darius Leonard. But, yeah, I, I just think Tennessee, even though I don't really love their defense, I think they just have such a good offense and they can outscore you. I would just say the Titans are slightly better. Yeah, I will say, excuse me for losing the voice here for a second, Aaron, Le'Veon Bell. This guy's like the, the disgruntled employee, it seems like. No matter where he goes, he's never happy. Now he's on the attack, I guess, on Andy Reid because he didn't get to touch the ball so many times, you know, during his tenure there in KC. He didn't get too much during the Super Bowl. And so he, he makes comments that he says he should have kept to himself to Tyron Matthew. Or, and then he kind of follows it up with, well, maybe I should have kept it private, but I still mean what I said. So he'd rather quit run and go to another team, but you, you, you basically insult a, a coach that's loved by many, including all of us here in Philly, even though it may not finish up the way he wanted to, but he still loved and we're all happy that he got his first Super Bowl championship. Finally, after being the most regular season championship coach that there ever was, but Le'Veon Bell, what is his status that he just can't be happy? I mean, AB seemed to change his story with Tom Brady. he got his ring and he's coming back to the Bucks. But it just seems like Le'Veon Bell is never happy. Do you, do you have like any kind of inkling of what's going on with this gentleman? Right, I'm not close to the situation, and I'm not a mind reader, just as you guys aren't. Outside looking in, obviously, you know you don't want to ever air dirty laundry like that. I just don't see the upside in it for Le'Veon, and I think he's got to get off social media and mm -hmm. you know handle these situations better because. You know, anyone would tell you that public relations-wise, you're creating problems that don't need to exist. And Andy took the high road when he was asked about him today. I think that if you're Le'Veon, if you don't like, you know, something maybe that Andy Reid said or you think you're playing time, which is probably has more to do with that, I would think, that, or, or maybe they don't think you're very good anymore, whatever happened with the Chiefs or maybe, you know, he didn't like the role or it didn't live up to what he thought you know, it was going to be when he was picking his team. If you made a poor decision, that's on you. I think at some point he's got to be accountable. And I'm not bashing him. I'm just saying 
you know, I have a lot of respect for him as a football player, what he was like with the Steelers, and I've covered a lot of his games, and, you know, he's an incredibly talented guy. But it's been a minute since he's played like that. Right. So, you know what? I would stop talking and just show people what you can do on the field, and hopefully he gets a job and he can prove everybody wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in a lot of, and you know, I'm in a profession where communication is, that's what it's all about. But at some point, actions are more important. What, what, what tends to get your attention? What someone says or whether they can score a touchdown, obviously can score a touchdown, or who's cut, who's signed, who's being traded, who's in trouble, all those things, the news. And once you have to say about things, that's fine. That's all important. But at some point, talk is cheap. Right. So they'll prove it on the field. And guess what? You'll get all the respect and all the accolades and everything that you have coming to you. I truly believe that the NFL is the ultimate meritocracy. Earn it, and good things will happen for you. No, that's, and, and that's true as well. And, and, and one thing that we and, – and I'll say it lightly because – we're not fans of the other team in the Blue Star State, but supposedly their running back over there in Dallas says he's in the best shape of his life. We've heard this before from Ezekiel Elliott, that he's been in the best shape of his life. Supposedly when he was going through the whole contract talks deal down there when he was in Cozumel or Mexico, wherever it was that he was out there, he stated the same exact thing and didn't do so well. Last season we saw Ezekiel Elliott production go down. I don't believe – by any means, he's the best running back in the NFL, but he says he's in the best shape. I don't know how much you've heard and or seen what Zeke has done. I'm glad that they finally got Dad Prescott signed, and, and that, I think, took too long for, for that to happen. But I don't think that Zeke Elliott would be any more productive this season than he was last season. I mean, you know, when I look at Zeke Elliott, he's a talented player, but – you know, I didn't think he was in great shape last year. You've seen some probably some photographs that didn't look so flattering of him. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that's kind of an expectation that you're going to be in shape. That's You don't get any pat on the back for that. You're supposed to be in shape, especially if you play the running back position. Right. You're going to be ready. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think for, for Zeke, you know, he's got something to prove this year, and you would hope that he would come in hungry and perform. But, yeah, I, I don't think he's the best running back by any stretch right now. Aaron, just real quick, one more for me here. Uh, since I am the Chiefs fan and since we took a butt whipping in the Super Bowl, how concerned from what you're hearing are the Chiefs about what happened on the offensive line? I know they shored up the offensive line. I know they're saying all the right things that this is the best offensive line they've had since Patrick Mahomes has been there. But the Kyle Long injury kind of worries me. Um, what are you hearing? Do you think they'll bounce back? I mean, Mahomes is going to be Mahomes, but how solidified or concrete is it that they feel confident in this year's offensive line? Well, you know, they did sign Joe Thune to a big contract. He's right. outstanding, very versatile, technically sound and strong and, you know, I would say quick for, for his size, offensive lineman. And Orlando Brown, they traded for him. I never thought Eric Fisher was that great. I think he never lived up to his draft status as the top overall pick. And you know, when I think about Orlando Brown Jr. and I covered his dad, makes me feel a little bit old because I knew little Zeus when he was, you know, in middle school. 
the first time I saw him. He's a big kid. But he's a good football player, and he just wanted to be paid like a good football player. And, you know, in some ways the Chiefs, they may have some problems with negotiating that deal at some point. They may have some cap issues. But that's a different you know, story for a different day, not, not right now. I think those two additions do bolster them as well as having back Tardif and, you know, getting him back from the opt-out where he was, you know, helping people in the front lines, uh, you know, in the, in the hospitals and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you, you did get some guys back and uh, it gives you a fighting chance to be better. And I think that Andy Heck is a good offensive line coach. So he's going to coach those guys up. He's going to do his job. But, yeah, I think that Orlando Brown's a very physical player. So is Joe Thune. Mm-hmm. You just added two guys that should give you some belief and you know what happened to them in the playoffs and obviously you know it was catastrophic to lose those guys to injury and Patrick wasn't 100% either you know he had the toe injury so you know kind of a perfect storm of bad circumstances and also you know you're out there against Tom Brady uh, Tom Brady's no slouch and they have a good defense they have some good football players out there they get paid too as uh Bart Scott used to say that to me all the time when I was covering the Ravens and they would lose and he said both teams play hard and they get paid too yeah, that's that, that's so true. I'm gonna ask one last question here. As uh, at, well, well, I guess we'll finish up in the Northeast. New England was not New England last year. We all saw. We also know that there's a lot of players that sat out because of COVID. So far this year, it seems like the NFL will allow players if they choose not to come back again this season. <clears throat> I don't know what the all the end all to be all like everyone else is. I think Troy Vincent was still working on that package, but we know that there was a lot of guys that didn't start last year with New England. Bill Belichick, something he's rarely ever done, is actually pursue a quarterback, which he did on the draft. But he says that Cam Newton is still the starting quarterback for the season. Cam Newton, to me, obviously lost whatever was his mojo three years prior to being let go in North Carolina. Last year, we didn't see the best out of Cam Newton. So I'll ask you, is Cam Newton going to look better this season coming around? under Bill Belichick, or is Cam Newton pretty much his final days are coming in New England? Good question. Yeah, and I've, I've got to run after this answer. Sure. I would say that Cam, you know, wasn't all the way healthy last year. Uh, he just had a thing with a, a bone bruise on his hand. He'll, he'll be fine. He was able to take the reps, all the reps, uh, you know, that he would normally take. I think he's facing a competition, whether they want to announce it or not, with Mac Jones. I think there are some scenarios where you could see Mac Jones out there, but you know, Cam, he's going to have to have a really good training camp to hold off Mac Jones. And best case scenario for the Patriots is at some point they feel like Mac is ready. But if you remember when Tom Brady went in and outplayed Drew Bledsoe when Tom, when Bledsoe had that injury, once he was out there, he was out there for good. And they never went back to Bledsoe. They traded him to Buffalo. When Bill Belichick finally, whenever he feels like Mac is ready, He'll make that decision and he'll put him in. And no one knows, including Bill, when that's going to be. But he'll know. He'll know if Mac is ready. But you have to be careful when you make that decision. Do I think that Cam, you know, doesn't start the opener? No, I think he has a good chance to start the opener. And if he wins and he's playing well, he'll stay out there for a while. But do I think that Mac is a starting quarterback? In 2022 of the New England Patriots, yes, absolutely. And possibly even sooner than that. Maybe it'll be 2021. 
Well, let's hope and see. We'll, we'll definitely check it out. But Aaron, listen, <clears throat> thank you so much for joining us tonight. Again, if you guys want to follow Aaron on Twitter, it's Aaron underscore NFL. Don't forget it tomorrow. Aaron will be on Sports Talk 790, uh, 790 right? <clears throat> Houston Sports Talk from 6 to 10 on the Sean Salisbury Show. And I believe last week, Aaron, if I remember correctly, you were on between the 8 and 9 hour. If I remember uh, Yeah, correctly. scheduled to be there at 8 uh, Central Time uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, I look forward to talking to Sean in the studio. That was my first time in the studio with Sean. I've been on his show, you know, on the phone many times. And, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a good good show and talk about all things Texas and NFL. Yeah. Well, listen, Aaron, thank you again for coming on. I'll be listening in tomorrow, so I'm pretty sure I hear your segment on, on the Sean, Sean, Sean Salisbury show, if I can get it out of here, a good <laughs> friend of ours. But, Aaron, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming Thank on. you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Aaron, for coming on with us. And and again, it, it's sometimes when you're trying to get things out, because I know we're limited for time sometimes, I guess. And it's just, it's marble mouths. That's what happens. You get a bunch of marbles, you put them in your mouth, and spit them out, and that's exactly what ends up happening. But listen, great interview by Aaron. I'm glad he, he answered a lot of the questions that we had here, especially when it comes to Deshaun Watson. So we'll, we'll kind of uh, piggyback, as we know that Vito loves to use the word here, on Deshaun Watson. And I know Ducky had a, a couple of questions there. When he came, was he said that he believes he would be better off with New Orleans and and Coach Ducky. I mean, that could be a possibility, but who knows? Again, because of all the legal ramifications, that's going to happen here with Deshaun. So I'll, I'll go around kind of around the table here with everyone else, and and Ryan, I'll start off with you. Deshaun Watson knows that at this point in his career, he has absolutely no say so whatsoever of wanting to say where he wants to go because when you have some, and again, all this is alleged, as everyone likes to use a favorite word. It is all alleged what's going on right now. But again, it's 20 to 22 cases that are coming after you. I can understand one or two maybe, but you're talking about 22 different cases. And from what was understood was also that he had, this was kind of like a, a norm uh, when you were in college. Again, I'm not a pro athlete. I wasn't a college athlete. So I have no idea what the actual norm is. But to me, and, and as I said, Aaron, and I'll go around with you guys, if, if I'm an owner, I don't want that. I'm sorry, but I don't want it. I don't care if Deshaun Watson was the MVP for five years in a row. To me, it just it shows such a negative tarnish towards the organization. And he could be a complete different person, but between all the drama that went on, I understand he, you know, he was mad at last year, but add this to it. Do you, if you're an owner, Ryan, would you want to take all that drama and all that nonsense just because you wanted a talented quarterback. I mean, we're just going to have to see how this all plays out. I mean, we, we really don't know. And it, 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 through the legal system, I mean, this could get drug out for a year, for all we know. And, right. you know, we just unfortunately have to see where it ends up. Now, if it ends up that a lot of it was untrue, I said the guy has not been proven guilty. It's been kind of silent, really, for the last couple of months. You really haven't heard too much about it. So I've said this to a bunch of friends. I said well, before all this came about, we heard about Miami or possibly Denver. And, you know, you see what's going on in Miami now with Tua. Mm -hmm. And it's not real good. And I know people are trying to give the kid a chance. But all the things that I heard is before all this came out, he wanted to go to Miami. He really did want to go to Miami. I've said 
there's a team up in Minnesota that the Kirk Cousins experiment is done. It's dead. I don't know what they see in him anymore. I thought that if he really wanted to win a Super Bowl, he would go to Minnesota because I felt like he would have the best chance. But in the end, if this comes out to be a stalemate and he comes out looking not so bad on it, what right. owner wouldn't <clears throat> want to take a chance? Now, if some of it comes to fruition and it comes out that, okay, some of this stuff did go on, but not with all of the women, then as an owner, no, because you don't know you don't know what kind of chance or what kind of risks he's going to come with going forward. Michael Vick spent time in prison. He got signed by how many teams? I know when he got signed by the Steelers for that one year, I can't tell you how many Steelers fans ditched the Steelers for a year because they were not going to root for somebody who was convicted of a dog ring. They got criminally convicted of it. Right. And then once he got traded, they came back to the team. So, again, if it comes to – if he comes on the positive side of it, one owner wouldn't take a chance. But if it really negatively affects him and a lot of the stuff is true and he settles with a lot of them, that has to tell you something as an owner – I'm not taking a shot. And sorry, Ducky, I know he's the Clemson alum, but we just sort of have to see where this where where this goes. No, it's true. Yeah, right. Bill, Bill does say he doesn't want him as a quarterback of the Eagles. Let's see what Hurts can do. We don't need Watson drama, which is absolutely true. And you got you have to give Jalen Hurts a chance here. So, uh, Nick, same thing. Would you take on all this stuff that's going on with Deshaun Watson? I wouldn't. Um, Deshaun, I know, especially at his time here at Clemson, great, great dude. Took so many credit hours trying to graduate early, got to get his degree, very focused. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate what's going on. Um, I hope they can find an agreement. I hope that, um, if the cases are true, I hope the women find their justice. Uh, in this whole situation, because um, at the end of the day, it's, it's just it's just really it's just really sad. Like, yeah, you'd hear it in Aaron's voice when we were asking him about it, right? He's very like, he's you know didn't have a lot of emotion in his voice. It's very mm -hmm. more monotone about it. So like, yeah, I mean, I, of course, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it. But at the end of the day, like this is this is the NFL, and teams have done it. And it's not just Michael Vick, but Kareem Hunt just signed with the Browns after he beat his wife. You know, there's been there's been several cases of it, and I think because it's the NFL and because the talent uh, levels are so, are so massive that 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 sometimes these teams think that they they should take the risk and they should go ahead and sign these guys. But um, yeah, of course I wouldn't take it. Um, and I think Deshaun needs to really just stay out of the public eye for a while. I know he went on a podcast the other day and said he wanted to go to Denver. Um, or if someone said that he wanted to go to Denver, uh, he just he just really needs to stay out of the public eye. He needs to work on himself, and um, hopefully that he and the women can come out of this as, as better humans and better people. All right. Fuji, you are Harry Roseman. They give you the call, and they say, hey, by the way, we can make the Sean work for you. What's your reply? As an Eagles fan, talking about the Eagles fan base, you just hired two ladies in the Eagles front office. 
you got a lot of not just men, you got women who are big time football fans, big time Eagles fans. I just think it would leave a bad taste in the Eagles mouth. But then again, Michael Vick being a different situation, you know, some people could overlook it. Would I do it? It's, it's just a lightning ride right now. And, you know, this stuff's been going on for years. I mean, you look at Big Ben getting acquitted twice. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, as they say, we're going to smoke this fire. But I think I will leave it alone, let it simmer out for the year and see where the allegations, like give Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt next year. And you three up potential number one picks, multiple picks, $70, $80 million under the cap for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. Maybe you explore it in another year, but Jalen Hurts is the man in Philadelphia. He's number one. Let's let's roll, let's rock and roll and give the give the man the weapons, bring Zach Ertz in. Let's get it all settled and let's get ready to go in five weeks of training camp. Yeah, we got a couple minutes left here on the on the show, and and I know we want to get into some other important talk here. <laughs> you know, where do you begin? Yeah, but, you yeah, yeah, for a second time because that's exactly what they deserve here. You know, it's it, so game four. You would think we we talked about it not so long ago with David Melandra on Tuesday. We wrapped around a little bit yesterday. Uh, before the game started with AJ. So you would think the Sixers would come off the schneid off of game four to make game five look a lot better. And you're at a 28-point lead, and it was one of those things, wow, the Sixers can actually do it. And then you see Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks coming back. Our national correspondent said the Sixers would lose by three, and sure enough, they end up doing so. <laughs> ben Simmons missed two important foul shots. Joel Embiid Missed two important foul shots. So if you end up doing the math pretty much, the Sixers could have still won and maybe possibly buy one here. But what's going to happen, Fuji, come tomorrow night in Atlanta? Do we call it a series? Is it done? Or does Ben Simmons finally wake up and realize, hey, you know what? This is a team sport, and we can't take our foot off the gas when it comes to the third going into the fourth. Well, this this series should have been over last night. I mean, you blew you you blew two games. You were up by, a, you know, a good amount of points, and they beat themselves both times. And it's a mm -hmm. flat out disgrace. There's no excuses. It's the us against the world mentality tomorrow. You take it one game at a time. You go down there, the crowd's against you. This team just there's so many better light a fire under all their damn asses and come out swinging. Especially that guy I'm going to take Ben Simmons to the wizard and get him a damn heart with the Tin Man. Because, I don't know, it's a flat-out disgrace with this team. There's no damn excuses. You're the number one seed. Play like it. This team's been lackadaisical in this damn series. They're, you know, they get their doors kicked in game one. They come back two. You know, it's, it's lackadaisical nonsense. It just fires me up because if I was in the damn locker room, I'd be throwing chairs around. Let Doc, let Doc Rivers hit a blood vessel up top. That's what this team needs. 
A nice swift kick in the damn ass. You're getting paid $25 million. It's a damn joke. Barkley, Iverson, and Doc and Julius Serving should have got that money. Not the not these guys that are coddled for that. It's a flat out joke. No, it is. It is, seriously. Where's the heart? Where's the heart and fire? You got all the damn talent in the world, but you don't bring it. You should bring it every damn night and raise your level to the next level in the playoffs. That's what this town's built on. Bring your lunch pail. Listen to Brian Dawkins. Get in that locker room and put a fire under each one of their asses. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm Mike Fuji, and I approve this message. There you go. <laughs> the lightning around Mike Fuji. I tell you what, it's good to see him fired up. Normally, folks, we get to see this side of Fuji during the Eagle season, and it's coming well, around shortly. It's just it's Billy Fury. <laughs> we're born and bred to know our damn sports. From the time you get out of the damn women, you're slapped in the in the ass. Just to hate the Dallas Cowboys too. For all you fraudulent cowboy fans, Roger. Fire away when you're ready, because I'll debate you. Thank okay. you very much. Incredible. David Strzak agrees. He says video Corleone rant the best, oh, which is absolutely oh, true. And there's a couple of duck. Wait, wait till I'm liquored up, and then you'll really see the fire come out of my eyes. My boy, that, we've seen that one, and that one we can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one we can just kind of turn it down down because, yeah, because last year I do remember a bunch of f bombs or someone else came out of there. I thought your head was going to end up exploding. Come last, maybe season, I'll but. blow the damn blood vessel more than once. And listen, and, and it's 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 okay because you can't get frustrated. And listen, we know that. In this town, you know, Brett Brown got a, a, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of slack. Then they decided to walk Brett Brown out of town to bring in Doc oh, Rivers. Doc Rivers, uh, um, what Nick and I were talking about off air here before he came on, five out of the eight, what was it, Nick, of the last seasons, it when it's come to Doc Rivers? Five, five of the eight. Uh, I think, like, during the postseason, Doc Rivers is accountable for five of the eight biggest leads that were blown they ended up losing. Wait, something happened to Ryan's mic. I can hear his ear, but something happened to his mic. We can't hear him anymore. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's all I good. said last week, uh, you said, remember you said. who your coach is. Other than the years 2007 through 2009, other than have him having Garnett, he had Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. And they won him a title, and they got him to another NBA Finals, which they lost to the Lakers. So they were one and one. Since then, Doc Rivers does not have the best. He's gotten teams to the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. Hell of a regular season coach. You get him in the playoffs, for some odd reason, he chokes. He's been up mm. in series three games to one. He's been up two games to none. Mm. And for some odd reason, his teams just and him, they just have brain cramps and cannot finish out. Well, I want to bag the death for a yeah, history has a tendency to repeat itself, but Doc can't get the hell out and play for these guys. I mean, it's always the coaches or managers that take the fall. You can't fire the players, obviously. I mean, they're both to blame. You're up 26 as a team. You can't let that happen. I'm well, tired of no, hearing about, well, no kidding. we should have done in the second second half what we did in the first half. 
It's collectively your faults. Collectively your faults. Yeah, but these guys are grown-ass men. They should know how to raise the level. Finish the deal. Well, they they didn't keep their foot on the paddle. Obviously not. That's that's a part of the player's fault. Of course it is. And it's the coach's fault. Where it should be held accountable. People want to bash Ben Simmons. I get it. Where was Tobias Harris yesterday? Four points, points, four rebounds, three assists. What the hell was he? Shake Milton, Seth Curry, Curry 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 we know why Curry got in the game a lot yesterday. We know why Curry played a lot. Fuji had to remind me earlier. Who's he married to, Fuji? Doc Rivers' daughter. Exactly. Exactly. You didn't know that's all I told Don't you. Don't get me fired up about this because I'm tired of you're gonna you're gonna spread the blame, spread it equally. I this look. Of course, well, Atlanta Hawks said it two weeks ago. Seth Atlanta Curry Atlanta had 36 Hawks. points. The Atlanta Hawks are the worst team in basketball. You're getting your ass kicked by the worst team in because basketball because they're not hungry enough. Up two one. They think every team's going to lay down since they're the number one seed. It don't you work that blown way. Game three, and you shouldn't have blown. Or sorry, you shouldn't of course. have four and five. This series should be over. That's, that's what championship team. That's what championship teams. You didn't do. take care you of business. Find ways to win. You find ways to win, and they don't know how to do it. They I'm didn't take care of business. Obviously, they had two. They had two games to just put at the bench. All I hear on sports radio: Sixers this, Sixers. But when you were kicking ass last night, that's all I heard on social media. NB can't do any wrong. And look at Tobias go. And look at Ben Simmons. He's actually playing with heart. What the hell is even that? <laughs> Listen, it's just, <laughs> it's unfortunate. And, and, we're, and I hope tomorrow night we don't see the same thing again. Is it going to happen? I would say a strong light. Matter of fact, Mr. Analytics, what are the odds <laughs> come tomorrow night? Let me, uh, let me take a quick look. Let's see. Come on, from a Nets fan. You know hey, he's going to be biased. Who do you who do you guys have well? on? Who do you guys have tomorrow or tonight? Nets Bucks. Nets. Who do I have tonight? Uh, but but Bucks. Bucks. All right, I'll 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 take the Nets as well because um, why ask why ask the question? You already know who you're going to take, so why ask the question? <laughs> Let's see. All right. Uh, Philly's minus three, and uh, they're minus 150 money line. So they're – and game five, they're minus seven and a half. So big big difference. But Figure that out. They're going away, and they're minus three. So that sounds like, that sounds like a bet. That sounds well, like I, I, a the bet. Sisters, they, don't have, they don't have a choice the rest of the way. See, so also have mentality. If the Sixers win this series, I will come on the show and I will apologize to every Sixers fan. I will say, I'm sorry. I apologize. Why don't you up the ante more? Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. They can't even spell it right. B-K-L-Y-N. It doesn't spell Brooklyn. It's Bicklin. Bicklin. But if the Nets win... To all my Tiger Town friends that are watching this, I will wear this to training tomorrow. I will wear this to training. The other side says Bicklin. You stink. It's not Brooklyn. It's Bicklin. It's Bicklin. Go Nets. 
Well, if I ever see, if you come to Philly with that on, I'm going to rip it off you, break out gasoline, and burn up the bitch. Thank you very much. Well, fortunately, I won't be wearing it in Philly. So. Why not? I'm uh, going to put. Hey, I'm going to put Angel <laughs> Martinez. I want you. I want you to be Annie Ryan. I'm going to put Angel Martinez. I'm going to put Angel Martinez on the spot here because he was the one yesterday who kept clapping at me about sixes and six. Sixers is do they win it in seven on hell? It's crickets, crickets. Hey, play that crickets. Do they win it in seven? That's a, there's no confidence there. Crickets, it's crickets, it's done. crickets, crickets. Yeah. Uh, um I, I would love to say, and, and I'm not even gonna play the crickets, it ain't even worth playing it for the Sixers. Hey, why not? I, I would love to say that it would do it in seven. I really would. Mm. But the Sixers blowing back to back games at this point, and you're going down to Atlanta. That arena is going to be absolutely insane. I don't see Atlanta want to coming back to Philly to win it in seven. So I'm, I'm listen. The Hawks are going to close it out tomorrow night, and not only they're going to close it out, I also believe the Hawks will probably end up blown out the Sixers by twenty five, just to remind them how it is to actually win by twenty five rather than <sighs> coming back and losing. So. It's unfortunate. I wish Doc Rivers would have done something differently, but you can see the frustration in Doc Rivers' face last night. And then you can see Ben Simmons within the last four minutes of the game last night basically giving up. If you want to give up, don't do it in Philly. You can do it in New England. You can do it in North Carolina. You can do it in Texas hey, if you want to. But hey, you don't do it in Philly. We don't even have a basketball team. We have, we have a basketball team. But, hey, don't do that. Listen, the Charlotte Hornets, what, what, are, what are they now? They got LaMelo Ball. Big whoop. Who cares? The dad's got a bigger mouth than all three boys or two boys combined. <laughs> I can care less for that idiot for the most part. Don't yeah, get me started yeah, on the dad because he's too much of a freaking moron, and I'll put it politely. If you'd like to one. come on the show, um, I am personally inviting you. Um, yeah. No, Marvin. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just going to say this. I'm saying this oh. to all my sister friends out there. You don't have any success. Stop with the Embiid. He got robbed of the MVP. All right. The last couple of games proves that he should not have been a regular season. I, Who said you had Sixers friends? Huh? Embiid had 40 last night. Since when he was Sixers huh? friends. Right. Embiid and, and Curry were on party last night. Didn't Embiid miss two crucial foul shots at the end of the game? Didn't he miss two crucial foul shots at the end of the game? I think so. MVP. MVP. Yeah, see, there he goes. MVPs. Where's the correct? Miss. You think Michael Jordan would miss? Got like that? Huh? Dude, I got swept. You think you think Tim Duncan or Michael Jordan or even Kobe hey, Fuji? Fuji. Would Charles Barkley have missed two foul shots at the end of the game like that? Of course no. not. No. No. Not at all. So. Joel Embiid, I'm going to call him out. Keep your mouth shut. Stop arguing with the fans. Just zip it. You're too worried about other stuff. Just play the damn game. He's a baby anyway. He doesn't like people getting physical with him. He's always bitching to the refs. I'm just tired. I'm mm. tired of it. Enough with the. I, oh, he got robbed. He got robbed. He didn't get robbed. He, and then, uh, and then I got pushed back. Hey, our, he's he's still playing. Nikola Jokic is in the playoffs. So Give me a break. Give me a break. Two crucial foul right. shots. Two we'll crucial break foul now. shots. And he missed both. Both. Uh, yep. No, it's true. And, and Bill even says, he says, uh, <clears throat> we are a state that is known for coming back. The 2010 Flyers 
over to the Bruins. Philly's down 11 nothing to the Pirates. <laughs> uh, let's not forget the Miracles. Uh, Eagles over to Giants. We don't blow leads. Sixers two games in a row should have won this, and it's an, a complete embarrassment. And, and Bill is correct, and I know Tom had one up here earlier as well. He said, I'm afraid it's Eagle season early. And the one thing that I, I want to bring back, because Bill had and uh, Coach Ducky here had two comments as we got away a little bit from the talk. But uh, coming back to Coach Ducky, he says, what I don't like is Michael Vick went to prison for 21 months. The dogfight end situation that Ben Roethlisberger did was a slap in the face. Ideally got suspended for three games, three games for what he did, um, which is true. And then uh, Bill had followed up with Vick Watson can't compare two different cases. Uh, as the guys Absolutely. are going back and forth, you can't. Hang on. Right, you, you, you can't, can't, you can't compare the two. So you can't do it. It's apples to oranges. Right, but it, the one thing I will say though, Michael Vick, as as much as people wanted to just bring him down, Michael Vick did think get get his life turned around, and to this day, still Michael Vick is doing everything he possibly can to make sure that whatever the situation was with him earlier, yes, that it is. never happens again. So, and again, that's thanks to Andy Reid. So when Le'Veon Bell wants to go out there and throw shade. At Andy Reid, you might want to be careful because Andy Reid is a well-loved coach around the NFL. So, Le'Veon, I don't know. Unless you want to play arena football with the Arizona Rattlers, no offense to Rattlers, mm -hmm. but if you want to go play arena football, I'm pretty sure they're looking for somebody. Hey, the you play in the USFL. The U hey, the USFL is coming back next year. There's always the miracle in the middle ends, Philadelphia fans. There's always a miracle in the middle ends. What do you know about the miracle? He's not going to be in Atlanta tomorrow, okay? Andrew Tony's not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Mo Cheeks isn't going to be in the lineup. Dr. J's not going to be. Uh, Bobby Jones no. isn't going to be in the lineup tomorrow. You Can better. we a positive note? Jonas. Yeah. Donuts. Donuts. Give me that, too. Oh, see, now that's spelled correctly. Give me not that. Bicklin. Bust, out the Bicklin Bust out the Bicklin jersey that you have, by the way. Bicklin. Give me that, too. By the way, yeah. Coach Shuggy says, when is the Phillies still coming back? Right now, the arena football leagues are still trying to come back from because they have no idea. And I, I'll take a, a pause for the cause because when I hear blue, not see blue, when I hear blue, it drives me insane. That's the one thing. But someone, because of this goofy second variant that we're talking about now, this Delta one, would love for things to shut down all over again. So with that being said, which in Florida, it won't happen. So everyone else learned how long you keep your states closed and how well it didn't work out for you guys. That could be a whole different show for a whole different day. But I will say this much. With the Arena Football League, they're trying to find out their financial aspect of what they can do to bring revenue back. Because again, you're talking about putting money out there, You know, your, your employees, your promotions and everything else. But they're trying to figure out if they can do it again. From the understanding is that Bon Ron, good lord, Bon Jovi would love to come back and do so. But again, it it it's not completely up to him. They'd have to see how they'll be able to work this out. So I think the Arizona Rattlers right now, and and I don't even think they call the AFL it's something else. They they renamed it whatever the case may be. Um, but they're trying to see what teams are going to be able to financially come back. We would love to see the Philadelphia Soul to do so. I mean, back to back champs. I was there before I left uh, down to Tampa. To see that that championship game, that was a lot of fun. And obviously, that year in itself was was phenomenal. But it, it's going to take a while for the Arena Football League to come back together the way it was. It was very successful, but again, COVID did whatever COVID did, and I won't even get into that because we got a a goofball for what's behind desk number one. But whatever. 
Can you, can you delete him off here? Can you some have to a sound. I don't know what happened to can it. Can you delete these two frauds off the one? <laughs> not next to me with the Brooklyn BS. And then the Joker next to you. Seriously. Yeah. Ducky, hold on to your tickets because, again, they're, they're getting together. So we're not 100% certain yet, but I will let you know as soon as uh, the more talks end up happening because they want to get the Arena Football League back together, and it's going to happen because, obviously, USFL is coming back. Um, what was the other one there that uh, The Rock purchased? XFL. There you go. That's coming back uh, next year as well. And obviously, they, they cut the season short again because of COVID, and that's why the team was sold. All the good, happy horse stuff. But anyways, we know that obviously football season is coming around. We got just a couple more weeks to go before more talks happen. We will go back here during the regular season to our normal day on Sunday when we cover the Eagles, which we love to do and love to talk about. But also, other than talking Eagles talk this season, which we will dedicate a good portion of the show with the Eagles, but then we'll also go around the NFL as well. So there will be a little bit of a production change where we was uh, what it was just a year ago last year when we got everything started. And uh, it's in July, even though, as Ryan had pointed out, we are in season number two, episode now number 60. So it's been a year as far as when it comes to seasons, but where next month will be in the actual official year that we kicked it off. And if you guys want to look at some nostalgic moments, go back to BroadStreetSouth.com and take a look at episode one because it's been leaps and bounds from episode mm -hmm. one to now episode 60. And thanks to everyone who tune in, especially like Ducky, Bill, David, you know, Tom Fogarty, I know Michelle, she comes on every once in a while. And, and every fan that watches and shares and likes the show, listen, we, we can't do the show without you guys. As Fuji loves to say, the show is about the people, but it is the people's show. And that is honest to God. And that's why we're able to get the guests and the people that we get on, like Aaron Wilson, like Sean Salisbury, like Seth Joyner. So as long as you guys keep providing great content for us, we'll do the same for you guys in return. So it's, we're coming up on the hour and a half here. Uh, again, I'd like to thank Goose. I know this week he was extremely busy, but always, every time and anytime you guys can go to CigarGoose.com and check out the latest and the greatest cigars in the Delaware Valley. Check them out. Also, go to the Limerick store so you guys can see exactly what's going on. And Bill, thank you so much for along with, oh, hold on. Uh, see a couple things here. Dougie says, can I come back August 27th? Sure. Yep. We can make that happen. Also, congrats, guys. Thank you, Tom, so much. We I appreciate do. it. And uh, Bill, Thanks. congrats, guys. Awesome show. is great. Thank you so much. Listen, and, and we appreciate you guys. You have no idea. It's, this was, again, as we talked about it before, this was a dream that is starting to come true, and we're not done yet as far as we would like to go. Thanks to Goose believing in us as well. It can turn into something big. So expect more things in the future, but things don't happen overnight. It's like a business. If your business falls within the first five years, something went wrong. Right now, we're enjoying the first year. We got through the offseason. God bless us all because we have no idea what we're going to do in the offseason. But things worked out because God is good and he made things happen. And I'm blessed with the team that I have here, the four of us, between you know, Nick and Ryan and Fuji. Fuji knows he's my ride or die forever. It doesn't matter. I'll kick his butt if he ever decides to go anywhere else other than making his own, his own show. But, you know, that's... That's a whole different story for a whole different day, but I'm just kidding because Fuji, I listen, these guys right here that I have, I'm extremely blessed with, and I'm very happy. And my goal, by the way, if anyone's listening, whether it's CBS or NBC 
or NFL Network, my analytics guy up there, the beat writer, right? Pay attention because he can be a great catch for your company. Just saying, in case Thank anybody's you, watching. No problem. Thank you, Angel. Appreciate it. Hear that, Ryan Brown, whatsoever. That's a, that's another problem for another day. Doc is the next Charlie Harper. Yeah. Hey, Coach Ducky, we'll talk about that one uh, for August 27th. We'll we'll definitely talk about it. But again, thanks to everyone who tunes in. We're we're, we're again very grateful. Again, uh, if I can say one more time for Lifestyle Media. Happy anniversary, their one-year anniversary. And they are also making leaps and bounds for the one year they've been around. They're doing an outstanding job. So congratulations to John William Crichton, to Vince Quinn, and John Barcher. And John Barcher, once again, congratulations on your newborn. I know it's a lot of work. You guys are doing outstanding work. And we do appreciate everything that you guys do for your crew and everyone out there. So listen, next week, uh, Tuesday, Fuji, would you like to fill everyone in who we're going to have for next Tuesday? We are having... Brad Bellucci, the author of the book, The Wax Pack, it was one of L.A. Times bestsellers. Check it out. It's basically Brad bought his first pack of baseball cards, and years later he tracked down Gary Templeton, Dwight Gooden, just to name a few. And we'll get more into that with Brad on Tuesday night as he'll be on here. Yeah, so tune in with us, 7.30. It's definitely interesting what Brad did, and, and it's amazing. And, and again, if you set your mind to do something, you can do it. As I say it all the time, and I say it to myself because I had a rough patch for many years, and thankfully, I found more positive things in my life than negative. But you are the only one that holds you back because life is all about choices. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, when you wake up in the morning, it's the choice that you make that day on how you're going to end up having it. So, and again... Being grateful, being humble, being thankful and blessed is an amazing thing that you can end up having. And with me, as the four fingers and the four things I just said is what's on the screen right here. So I'm forever thankful for this team that I have. And I'm very blessed and, and just very grateful. But again, everyone, check out BroadStreetSouth.com. Don't forget why you're there. You can look at our articles. Again, go back and watch show number one. If you guys want to get a good laugh, Take a look at between the audio, the video, everything that went on there on episode one. But it was Vito and I. And, and before the camera came on, we we're like, <laughs> how's it going to work? How's it going to work? And thank, you know, thank God, 60 episodes later, it's working just fine. So, uh, by the way, too, for Seth Joyner, if you guys end up missing his show on Tuesday night, catch him on Tuesdays at 730. He just had on Clyde Simmons this past week. Eddie George couldn't make it because of other commitments. But go back and check out the Seth Joyner show as well. All good friends of the show, Derek Gunn, Tony Bruno. I know he's getting ready to move down here to Florida. So that should be interesting too. But hey, that'll be for a later show sometime down the road. But again, thanks to everyone who watched tonight. We'll be back on Tuesday. Also next Thursday, let's not forget we have Milt Thompson, the hitting coach of the 2008 World Series Phillies champions. So he'll be on next Thursday at 730. So that should be a great show and a great time with Milt. And as we said, pretty soon we'll be turning the corner and talking more NFL talk as camps get ramped up. And we know that many things will happen come next month. So everyone enjoy their night. We hope to have a great weekend. Again, if you're celebrating, oh, by the way, if Sound Codes is listening, Sound Codes will be in Pittsburgh for a show this weekend. A phenomenal Juneteenth lineup. If you guys get the opportunity, check out Sound Codes on Facebook. And watch the lineup card that's on there. Big Daddy Kane. I mean, it, there's a great lineup going on. So Sound Coach has been on the show. Friends of the show. We love him to death. 
They will be performing this weekend for the Juneteenth celebration. That is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Check out Sound Coach on Facebook so you guys can see all the celebrations going on with them. Uh, also, for the Father's Day out there, since we will not be on this Sunday, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It's not as big as Mother's Day because Mother's Day will always be huge, and Mother's Day is every day. But thank God for the fathers out here as well for doing what they did to teach us the way of the world. So everyone, have a great week. We will see you all. Whoops, hold on. Ducky has one more comment here. I don't have any tickets for the Eagles uh, if anyone wants to go. That's right. He did mention that before. If anyone would like to go to Eagles opening practice, reach out to Ducky Cornish on Facebook, Coach Ducky. So uh, take a look at him. Again, we'd like to thank Goose because we can't forget the man in the hour. Goose is money, crystal, tobacco, and lounge. Lounge, everyone. Check it out. And and what, what a minute. What we, oh, good Lord. We... He's smoking an emblem out there. Don't don't ask me what just that what you're doing up here. But anyways, go to cigargoose.com. You guys check out the cigars. Again, thanks to Goose. Thanks to everyone who watches from Goose's Facebook page. We hope to see everyone again next week. Have a lot of fun. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Father's Day. And whatever you do, guys, make sure that you're safe. Stay blessed. Stay well. And if I can look for something that I need right here, we will see you all next week. Have a great oh, sorry. Sorry, you screwed up. For Debbie, the producer, who's over on Studio B, I almost forgot. Christina, for Nick, and for Fuji. And Kristen, hello, hope you're well. We will see you now, all next week. Everyone have a great night. <laughs>